passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another Baseball America Top 10 Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We are here to break down the Philadelphia Phillies farm system today. And to do that, I am joined by my colleague, Josh Norris. Josh has a lot of history with the Phillies system, did them for a number of years, uh, took a few years off. Now he's back doing their top 10 this season. Josh, first and foremost, thank you for joining me today. Uh, no problem. Yeah, I've done the Phillies a few times early in my tenure here, then um, moved off of them. And then uh, when our my colleague or our former colleague, Chris Trenkel, took another job. Well, you know, I know a lot of the guys who work in their player development department because I'm old enough that I covered them when they were players. So give them a call and talk about some of these guys. And that's... Uh, Kind of put this together on a little bit of a uh, as, as quick, you know, really, really quickly, more quickly. I didn't expect to have them this year, uh, but that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely, Josh. It's pretty obvious the Phillies have a really, really good team in the majors, which is what counts the most. They were one win away from repeating as National League champions this year. It's a stacked lineup. They have some really good pitching. Uh, we saw them re-sign Aaron Nola this offseason already. So the big league team is intact and should be competitive for many years to come. But obviously, you always want to have some depth in the farm system, guys you can pull up to help out a little bit. We saw some guys this year like Johan Rojas and Orion Kirkring come up and help in complementary roles. Again, it's always good to have that available. How would you describe the state of the Phillies farm system right now? How would you assess it? It depends on how you want to look at it. Like if you are like our boss, JJ Cooper, and you like um, you know, top heavy systems with guys with you know, multiple top, you know, 50, hundred prospects, it's pretty good. It's not the deepest system in the world, but, and you know, their, their top prospect, Andrew Painter is a little tricky because he's going to miss a lot of time with the Tommy John surgery, but he was among the best pitching prospects in the game before he got hurt. And you know, he had a case as the best pitching prospect in the game before he got hurt. And he did some things that rarely are done by high schoolers, but you're going to have to wait on him. Uh, he has a ceiling of top of the rotation guy. Uh, Justin Crawford is a, is a really interesting ball player. Like, obviously, he's got some of the same gifts his dad did. Uh, 
and the big hickey on him is clearly that he needs to get the ball in the air more often, but he plays a really good center field run. And if you can make that change, like one of my things is, you know, if you have a problem, is it solvable? And I think there are more solvable problems now than in past years. Like even when I started covering baseball in like 06 through the you know, use of uh, targeted player development, uh, technology, all these things that, you know, getting the ball in the air more often is a solvable problem. And if you've got the ability to hit the ball hard and hit it often, and all you need to do is really change the trajectory, that's still a pretty good foundation with which to work. I mean, nobody comes out of the draft a finished prospect or a finished project. Product is the word I was looking for. Uh, so he's got to work on that. But it was a really promising first season. Yeah, I, I want to go into Andrew Painter a little bit more. As you mentioned, he entered last year the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. Uh, a really, really special talent, 6'7", deep arsenal, throws hard, control, command. It was all there, and there was absolutely the package to dream on, a potential number one type of starter. He hurt his elbow early and ultimately had Tommy John surgery. He will be out not just you know through last year. He's going to be out all of 2024 as well, given the timing of his surgery. By the time he comes back in 2025, he will not have pitched for three years. Didn't pitch at all in 23, not going to pitch at all in 24, most likely. What is his outlook now? And, and ultimately, what kept him as the number one prospect in this farm system, just given the uncertainty, given his injury and the timing of it? I mean, as far as what his outlook is, we're not supposed to say, I don't know, but I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what's going on with his rehab. Um, it kind of depends on how that goes. You know, Tommy John surgery is far less of a, a scary injury than it had been in the past. Not everybody comes back, but a lot of them do. And so we will have to wait to see, you know, what he looks like when he comes out of it. I'm, you know, I am king of the Arizona Fall League. So I am assuming, I'm hoping that he he makes it, his back next year in that particular landscape, but we'll see. Um, it's what kept him was, you know, if, if I've learned anything this year, uh, and from our boss again, JJ Cooper, it's that uh, you can stay with guys who have injuries. Like I was uh, inside baseball here. I was pretty hard uh, arguing for Royce Lewis to continually be knocked down our top 100. And, you know, JJ was, excuse me, he couldn't stay healthy. And JJ was really on it to say, no, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. JJ looks like he wins that. <laughs> so, I have a hard time knocking the guy down farther than he already was uh, based on you know, the injury. We did ding him somewhat. He's not like in the super upper echelon at this point, but I have a hard time dinging him any further without any more knowledge. Of it. And I don't think Crawford's ceiling is higher than painters when it's all said and done. If they both reach it point is he's still painter is still like a really special talent. Potentially. You just got to wait a little longer. And I've dealt with it. <laughs> Dealt with these kind of long ones, like, you know, before I gave the Marlin system to our colleague, Peter Flaherty, you know, I was still writing up Sixto Sanchez. So I've dealt with these longer injuries before. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind with Andrew Painter is when he returns in the spring of 2025, he'll still be 22 years old. He'll turn 22 in April of 2025. So he'll still be a 22-year-old pitching prospect who has had double-A time. Um, he'll still be on a good track and on good pace. So I, I do think while obviously it's concerning anytime you're going to go two full seasons without throwing a pitch in an official game, 
there's obviously a lot of talent there. He'll still be young and age appropriate for his levels. And ultimately we have to see how the stuff comes back, how the command comes back. As you mentioned, Tommy John's surgery is not as scary as it once was, but uh, based on research done by John Rogel, who uh, keeps uh, a wonderful Tommy John surgery tracker, you know, he's shown that about one in six guys who have it don't come back. And obviously that five and six who do is certainly um, an encouraging number. There's always the risk or that one in six where just something goes wrong and you can never get right. And uh, you're ultimately not able to get back to the same level you were at before. So that risk does exist. And I think we have to watch and wait and see, but you do make the point that ultimately, given what we know about Andrew Painter, given what he showed talent wise, given that he'll still be age appropriate, it is understandable to keep him number one in the system as much as Justin Crawford and McAble are really good, if you still feel like Andrew Painter has the potential to be the best major leaguer out of all of them. And it sounds like there's a pretty fair consensus that he does. Is that is that fair to say based on your reporting and talking I mean, to individuals in the Philly system? It's hard to get a consensus on a guy who didn't pitch. You know, <laughs> there weren't many reports on anybody. Like, you know, with, with some, like, some of these tools grades for the scouting grades, like I didn't change any of them because – he didn't do anything past spring training. I can't really tick him up or down based on it, but you know, it's, it's really a wait and see. It's a giant question mark, but I, I will say this. You made the, uh, you re, uh, reinforced the point that, you know, he uh, is going to have the highest ceiling. I don't often use much of what I see in all this stuff. I, I'm not that person, but I saw painters last start in high A. And if you know me, you know my North Star for prospecting is Jose Fernandez. That was the best arm I've seen since Jose, period. It was the most disgusting stuff for like six or six or something innings. He went two hits, let's say 10 punch outs. He could do whatever he wanted. It was amazing. So that kind of like opened my eyes. I knew this guy was good. He had the pedigree in the draft, but it's another thing when you get him out into pro ball and you see what it looks like, and what it looked like was an ace. Not a number one, an ace. So that's what I'm, I'm thinking he could become someday. That day just might be a little longer than previously anticipated. Josh, you mentioned Justin Crawford as the number two prospect in the system. Mick Abel has been number two behind Andrew Painter for a few years now. Ultimately, he and Crawford checked in here at 2-3 with Crawford getting the edge. What ultimately pushed Justin Crawford over Mick Abel, and how close was that debate, if you will? First off, shout out to my boy Zach Friedman, who signed both of them. Uh, good, good duck alum, just like myself, who switched from the Pacific Northwest territory to the Southern California Las Vegas territory. Uh, so I, I got to rearrange both of his uh, his children, as it were. Uh, but Mick Abel, the thing with him has always been like I've always gotten from scouts. Stuff is pretty good, but the command is not the best. And you know, I, I understand that the numbers are split a little bit this year. Like, if you take the home road splits out of the or into the equation, he's way better away from Reading than he was, you know, at Reading, which is not unusual for pitchers. That's a bit of a bandbox, and if you get the ball anywhere in the air, you're in trouble. But you know, even the Phillies do acknowledge that in-zone command is something he's going to be tightening up or needs to tighten up in order to achieve his ceiling at the highest level. And to do that, they're going to make some mechanical alterations. But that's been on his, an, an action item for him 
uh, for the past couple of years, even before I had this system uh, again. So that was my thing with him was like, it's a, it's a considering it's a considerable problem that's been there. I, I think it's re it's kind of reflected in the stuff grades that I have. I've got really hot stuff grades on him, uh, but the control is below average. So that might be more of the, the issue that I saw. Uh, whereas Crawford, he showed a lot of skills on both sides of the ball. Like I said earlier, the really, the one real thing that was a problem was where he was hitting the ball. But if he gets it, you know, at line drives or fly balls, you're going to have a really, really interesting ball player. Yeah, again, a player who has a lot of physical projection left, who's already getting bigger. I was really impressed in seeing the physical gains he made. He'd already made seeing him in the Futures game, and I'd seen him in high school. So you're seeing that trend the right direction. And and look, I know people don't love batting average much anymore, but to hit 344 in the Florida State League is nothing short of remarkable. Um, it was a really, really good hitter. We see the speed. You saw the Centerville defense, which we all knew was there. As he continues to get bigger and stronger, I think we'll see a, a player who can impact the ball more. And again, home runs are not going to be his game, but a lot of doubles, a lot of hard line drives, and, and he could end up being a really good ball player like his dad. Going back to Abel, you mentioned the walks. And for his career in the minor leagues, he's just under five walks per nine. He doesn't give up a lot of hits. Like you said, he's tough to hit when he throws strikes, but – um, the strikes have not always been there or the quality of strikes have not always been there. You mentioned some of the mechanical alterations. Where do the Phillies feel like the issue is? How much of it's physical versus mental and, and how fixable do they think it is? Um, part of it you know, is going to be getting stronger in his lower half, which I assume that's fixable. I don't, I don't purport to know how his body responds. Um, I know there's you know, some guys that just can't put on weight to save their lives. Uh, and part of it is shortening the arm action. So those are two kind of action items for him this offseason. And if he can get better with those things, then you might see a better, you know, bigger volume and quality of strikes, which is what he's do without sacrificing um, his stuff. Like if you look at the scouting grades I have on there, everything's above average. The control is below. So it's really a matter of getting the pitches in the zone more often and in quality spots in the zone more often. Josh, as you filled out the top half of this top 10, one of the names that really jumped out this year at the lower levels was Starlin Caba. There are some really interesting young Latin American talents at the lower levels of the Philly system, but even just among that group, uh, he got a lot of buzz. A lot of evaluators, both inside and outside the Phillies organization, were excited with what they saw from him. Uh, he's 17 years old, signed out of the Dominican, was only in the DSL this year, so there's a long, long, long way to go, but um, a lot of really, really good reviews early. What are people seeing there and what has them so excited? I mean, it didn't see much because he got hurt. He played 38 games and then needed elbow surgery. But so you're going a little bit on track record more than, um, you know, in-game performance, which, but when he was there, you know, he, he hit strikes. He hit strikes hard too. I put in here that in his 164 plate appearances, the, uh, according to the data we have, he, Missed at just a 9.5% rate and in zone at just a 4.2% rate, which is stunning at just about any level of the minor leagues. Uh, he didn't hit the ball as hard as you'd like, but he's also 17 years old and he didn't hit it, you know, really softly either. So there's projection remaining. He can play shortstop. Um, unfortunately, you didn't get to see as much of him as you want, but, you know, he's a guy, I think our colleague uh, Jeff Ponce, uh, had said uh, that he, when he was down in the FCL, some people said, you know, this is a guy to watch. He 
he's going to be one of our better guys in our system. So that's kind of where I settled on at five. And if you've followed me over the last decade at Baseball America, you know I'm pretty aggressive with young Latin guys. Um, it's kind of my uh, my hallmark. Those are my huckleberries. Um, so I kind of put him there at five. And I think his upside is the best of the second tier of this system, the, the non-Ables and Crawfords and Painters. All right, Josh, so as we talked about, the top half of the system certainly has some guys who were high draft picks, big bonus guys, uh, players that there is considerable upside, at least in the eyes of evaluators inside and outside the organization. The back half of this top 10 and the rest of the system is a little bit lighter. This is not the deepest system in the world, as you alluded to early on. I want to talk about some of these players with you here. We're going to take a quick break and dive right in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Phillies Top 10 Prospects Podcast. I am Kyle Glazer alongside Josh Norris. All right, Josh, before the break, we talked a lot about Andrew Painter, Mick Abel, Justin Crawford, you know, guys who were first-round picks, a lot of pedigree, and, and have seen time on the Top 100. Starlin Kaba got $3 million to sign internationally, had a really good pro debut. So these are some of the bigger bonus or, or bigger-name guys who were expected to be good and, to their credit, have delivered on that promise. The Phillies 
do not have the deepest farm system. And this is where you do see a bit of a drop off once you get past the top five or so. Um, you have Orion Kirkring here, and he obviously shot right up to the majors, contributed out of the bullpen uh, late in the year and in the postseason. Certainly has a role on the Philly staff moving forward and is a really good player. Um, but outside of him, you're looking at a lot of really, really, really young guys who are very far away and just not a ton of depth in this system overall. Take me through kind of how you assess the overall talent pool here uh, outside of that top group we talked about. Is it stronger position players versus pitchers? What, what do you kind of see here with the rest of this system? You know, up top, it's up the middle talent, which if you're going to have a thinner system, you do want to be strong in those areas. Um, you notice the rest of the system is, besides Kirkering, uh, catcher Eduardo Tait, um, and a couple of shortstops and William Bergoya Jr. and uh, Brian Rincon, who are pretty interesting little players. Uh, Rincon is a really, really good defender who was better than the bat with the bat than expected early, uh, especially at Jersey Shore, uh, where it's not exactly uh, the best atmosphere to hit. Uh, Bergoya, a little lighter with the bat than you'd like, but also can really play the position. So those guys I kept up top uh, tight, played almost all year at 16, I believe. I think, I think he turned 17 in the middle of the playoffs and still really produced, which, you know, age and age and context. Those are really kind of watchwords for me. I was really impressed with the performance, considering the age and the position. So I kept him up there, played some, some upside uh, cards, as it were. Uh, and then, you know, it does fall off a little bit. I was really struggling at 10. I went with Gabriel Rincones because he does have pretty big power. He did, I think, decently well in the fall league. Um, and you get a little bit of a pass because he was dealing with injuries uh, early in his career that might have uh, they kept him off the field and kind of still did his performance a little bit uh, also in college. So that was kind of the way I went with that one. But then you're dealing with some guys who are coming back with injuries, like uh, Christian McGowan, uh, kind of an interesting, really heavy sinker guy who uh, was coming back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, other guys, Griff McGarry is good stuff, really really bad control and command like it's a delivery overhaul situation like what i said about mick abel it's like take that and multiply it by like three like he needs to go back to the drawing board because it's just not it's just not working he's just not throwing strikes with anywhere near the quantity you want um there are some other interesting names later in the system carlos de la cruz obviously has ridiculous power there are questions about defensive home and the frequency of contact uh, but you know there's there's, like I said, there's other interesting guys in the system, but it is not uh, the deepest system uh, in sport. Yeah, I was going to mention McGarry. You know, he's someone that um, the stuff has always opened eyes, but he really struggled to throw strikes at Virginia. We saw signs of progress in 2022 and then just went backwards in 2023, uh, walked seven and a half per nine. Um, once he got to AAA, especially, it was bad. 14 walks, only five strikeouts in four and a third innings. Uh, what happened there? Why did it go backwards? And and it, how fixable is it? We will find out. Um, they are, again, like I said, doing delivery overhaul. And they worked a lot with him on side sessions and bullpens. And it's going to be a matter if he takes to a new delivery. Like I said, shorter arm action, uh, trying to just make him a little more consistent through the uh, through the arm stroke but yeah it needs to get better I, I think starting is almost out of the question so this is probably a reliever um, 
and I don't I don't know unless unless he, if he if he if the stuff comes back intact, you're looking at a really good reliever. If not, I really don't know what he is. It's just a really got to be frustrating because that stuff when it's on is really really good, but it's not on often enough. And if you can eliminate pretty much everything as a hitter from being in the strike zone, especially if you're going to be in Triple A, where they're going to have the auto strike zone three days a week, uh, you're going to be in real trouble. And we all know, well, we all assume that the some version of the auto strike zone is going to be in the big leagues at some point. And that's going to make it really tricky for guys who rely on chases um, and maybe inconsistency of umpires to do their thing going forth. Yeah, absolutely. One other player who was a, a somewhat high draft pick a few years ago, Ethan Wilson. He was a top 50 overall pick in 2021, uh, drafted right after Andrew Painter for the Phillies. Um, was a top 10 prospect in the system for some time. Did not perform very well last year at AA Reading, which is always a red flag when an offensive player doesn't perform all that great there because it's one of the most hitter-friendly environments in the minor leagues. What's the status on him? He's he's taken a hit. I mean, he had um, he doesn't have a whole lot of support from scouts, either internally or externally. It doesn't sound like he has really a plus tool at all on the card. Um, showing a little bit more, he showed a little bit more power at some point during the year, um, but if you don't hit for a fair amount of home runs at Reading, I don't know what to say. Like that is a real bandbox. It's kind of like the same idea we have out here in green in Greensboro where, you know, it's a pitcher's worst nightmare and a hitter's dream. So it's not going to be real high up in the 30 for Wilson. Um, He just needs it's, there's nothing that really jumps off the card for him. Yeah, I will say, you know, even if that one doesn't work out, I think one encouraging thing for the Phillies is they have drafted well in recent years. And for a long time, they didn't draft well. There was a stretch there of about 10, 12 years where, I mean, the only good picks they really had were Aaron Nolan, Reese Hoskins. And to be clear, those were two huge, huge wins. But when you look at a stretch of about 10 or so years, you only have one or two homegrown draft picks that have really worked out for you. Um, It's not great. There was that stretch where they had four straight top 10 picks. Um, they went Cornelius, Randolph, Mickey Moniak, uh, Adam Hazley with the first three of them. Wasn't great. But um, what we've seen more recently has been an upturn. You go back and look, you know, this first round picks uh, since 2018. It's Alec Baum, Bryson Stott, both of whom are starters on a team that's a contender to go to the World Series every year, and productive starters. Um, followed up with Mick Abel, Andrew Painter, Justin Crawford, all of whom have moved into the top 100. So the last five drafts, uh, well, I should say six, we have to see what Aiden Miller does, but the Phillies were one of the worst drafting organizations in baseball for a while. And they actually have moved into being one of the better ones recently. Um, Just what are you seeing overall trends in their scouting, their player development? There's been a lot of turnover there, Uh, new new farm director, new scouting director. What are you seeing from this organization and, and what do you think they're doing well? You know, one thing I noticed when Brian Barber took over uh, their scouting department is their first couple picks were Abel and Painter. And, well, you know, the, some of the red, the red flags usually are high school right-hander and tall. Well, you picked a six-foot-five and a six-foot-seven high school right-hander with your first picks in back-to-back years, and uh, you've been rewarded for it uh, so far. I mean, nothing nothing's finished yet. Obviously not as great as last year, but – uh, those look like two really good picks. If you're going to shoot for upside, that's how you do it. You know, sometimes those guys, uh, you know, even when they if they don't help your big league club, 
they show enough upside in the minor leagues to be valuable in trade. So if you can use those guys to, and we know Dave Dombrowski is not uh, one to shy away from trading his guys, and he's pretty shrewd at keeping the ones that are really good. Um, if you can use those guys, you can maximize guys with high upside in the minor leagues and capitalize them at what you believe to be the peak of their upside, then those are the kind of prospects you want in your system. So you know, he's gone, they've gone from you know, less safe picks, you know, I, you know, bats like Adam Hazley and you know, Adam Hazley mostly was a, you know, a safer type pick. Mickey Moniak was safe-ish, uh, allegedly, uh, pick at the top. Now, granted, he's come into his own a little bit in, uh, in Los Angeles, but they seem to have shot for more upside. And if you're me, if you ask me how you want to do it, that's kind of how I'd play it pretty much all the time, especially if you're picking toward the back. Shoot for upside and see what happens. And if, if you can capitalize on it both on your big league club or uh, through trades, I, I see that as a win-win. Absolutely. All right, Josh, as we wrap up the uh, the top 10 here, again, you mentioned a few players who were kind of on the cusp in consideration, but but fell off a little bit from uh, reaching that top 10 threshold. Um, just as we wrap up, any final thoughts on this system, this organization, and what to look for moving forward? Because again, this is a team that you look at the pieces in place should continue to contend for National League pennants and, and World Series titles. And, you know, they don't need a super deep farm system. They just need a few guys to come up and help them. And it seems like they're in a good place. Yeah. I mean, they've got some pieces that'll help them long term. They've got an ownership group that is willing to do what it takes to supplement the big league roster when it needs to. They've got, you know, some really good character guys. Uh, you're, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to disagree with me. This Bryce Harper leading that club. Uh, they've got a lot of really fun things in store and they just spent the money to retain Aaron Nola. Um, they've got some interesting guys in their farm system too, beyond the ones that we talked about. Devin Saltaban is really interesting, especially considering they moved into shortstop. And, you know, it's funny. Cause like I said, I, I wasn't super familiar with this system after having not done it for I don't know five, six years. Uh, so when I'm reading Carlos, our Carlos Palazzo, our draft guys report, it's like, wait a minute. He's listed as a shortstop, but doesn't mention shortstop at all in in the report. So they've moved him. They saw him like it's some some very small amount as an amateur, and they moved him over there. So they're going they're going to try to make it make the most upside out of that too. Um, Samuel Aldegari is kind of an interesting name on the pitching side um, that they said you know keep an eye on. Uh, who else do I? Oh, Raylan Heredia kind of popped in the uh, FCL. He was on our FCL top twenty. Not quite a top 10 guy, but there's a, an interesting set of tools right there. Looking through my notes here. I love Taich, like we said. Um, yeah, those are the those are the main. Oh, Alec, now, you have to wait a little longer with Alex McFarlane. Um, wait, Wenhui Pan is pretty interesting, too. Probably a straight reliever profile. Uh, Caleb Ricketts had some, uh, some fans early in the season. Got hurt. Uh, looking else. Who else we got here? Yeah, those are the names that are really popping right now. So it's not the deepest system in the world, but it's it's certainly not the worst system in the world. It's 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 a mid it's a middling system, and we didn't even really touch on Kirkering, who, you know, <laughs> he was really good and has a chance to be a late inning reliever uh, for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, have a few pieces come up and make an impact. That that's all this team needs. This is an organization in a really good place, and uh, we'll see if they're able to continue their run here of uh, being one of the top teams in the National League. Josh, thank you so much for joining me today. We really appreciate your insight as always. Yep, thank you much. 
All right, everyone, that'll do it for another Top 10 Prospects podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on. We would love to hear from you. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.